Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for attending. And now, without further ado, to answer your questions, we welcome Commissioner Carl Benson. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for attending today's press conference. Uh, at a time when there are so many uncertainties facing intercollegiate athletics, I thought that this would be a good opportunity to address some of those issues. Uh, who's got the first question? I got a question. Uh, Trent Krim from the Independent. <laughs> really? Trent Krim from the Independent? Are you kidding me? What's your question? Well, well what makes you qualified to be a commissioner? And alive. That's the best that you can have at a time when, when we've got all these issues facing us, and that's the best question you have? That's the stupidest question I've ever heard. And really... Who let this guy in? Tailgating, pep rallies, marching bands, student sections, raucous crowds, and more. It's always been a blast to go to a college football game. Fans are back now after missing out last season, and the crowds are huge. But how long until we return to the downward trend in attendance that we were seeing prior to the pandemic? And how critical are the turnstiles to the bottom line for most college football programs? We'll get the lowdown from our commish, Carl Benson, when we return to kick things off right after this. For the best selection of autographs and memorabilia from your favorite sports stars past and present, look no further than DenverAutographs.com. Find what you're after on the web or at either of their two Metro Denver locations, Colorado Mills Mall and Flatirons Mall, Broncos, Rockies, Avs, Nuggets, and much more. It's all at DenverAutographs.com. Learning life skills through baseball, USA Prime is more than just travel baseball. We mentor young athletes in areas like teamwork and skill development. It's about more than winning weekend tournaments. It's about showing young players how to achieve their goals in baseball and beyond. Contact Scott Horman at Colorado at gmail.com for more information. Carl Benson, you went to a football game last Saturday. You, you enjoy going to college football games, even, buy, even if you have to buy tickets and, and just go and watch, enjoy the pageantry, the pomp and circumstances and all that. But prior to COVID, attendance was trending downward. Even at the biggest schools, attendance was, tre- was trending downward. People were finding it's easier, you know, there's a shorter line to go to the bathroom in my living room with my big, giant, big screen TV, and I can see everything. I get all the replays, and I can flip channels, and I don't have to wait in the concession lines and the costs and all that. So I think I'm wondering, and I wonder what you think. What, obviously, attendance is surging now because no one got to see games last year. Uh, everybody's, even at Colorado State, where you were at last weekend, um, attendance is way up. Uh, and people are real excited to go watch games. But when the new, when the COVID thing wears off and people are like, oh, it's just, you know, I've seen games. Do you, do you fear that attendance is going to start to go back down again? And what does college football do about that? You know, Mark, I, I don't know if – I know the numbers are saying that attendance is up. Um, you know, my wife, Sarah, a Colorado State alum, we made the drive to Fort Collins the other day and uh, had a wonderful – Day. It was five o'clock game. We got on campus a couple hours early, went downtown, wandered around, went through the, the oval, beautiful campus. She relived some of her college days. And, and then, you know, we went to the new stadium and it's a beautiful stadium, but mm-hmm. um, there were no lines to get in. Um, I, I don't know if there was 15,000. I don't know what they reported, but uh, I was, I was surprised that, that the attendance wasn't, uh, what uh, what I was expecting with this surge, right. uh, you know, I know that you know that the fan base perhaps is a little disgruntled, and and uh, Friday or Saturday night didn't probably help it. But uh, you know, I I do worry about about football attendance in general, and and again that little downslide that we had before COVID, when 
you know, Alabama wasn't selling out. Mm -hmm. Ohio State wasn't selling out as they as they were historically. So I think that the game times, the five o'clock game, you know, in Fort Collins the other night, uh, as we were walking into the stadium and it was starting to get a little colder. Um, you know, my comment as a fan, I said, if I was a college football fan, I'd be a little nipped that this game wasn't played at one o'clock this afternoon when it was, you know, 65 degrees and now it's, you know, in the, in the forties. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know if we're trending back, you know, we want to talk about, you know, TV start times and digital versus linear and, and, you know, why the Mountain West went away from the ESPN contracts so they could maybe have more control over their game times in the future. And, you know, at, at the end of the day, though, you know, how much revenue can be generated through football attendance versus, you know, perhaps this idea of, of not taking advantage of all the media rights. And, and is, it a, is it an even balance? I don't, I don't know if it is, Mark. You know, the highest, so. the highest rated TV game of the year was Michigan, Michigan State. So far, Michigan, Michigan State played in the middle of the day. Right. Played, it was yeah. noon start time here in, in, yeah. in Colorado. So um, people, I think people like to see games in the middle of the daytime. I know, oh, we get excited, we get a primetime game. Yeah, okay, maybe. But by and large, people would prefer that 1.30 start we always had here in Colorado before every game was televised. And... The, the Mountain West wanted those TV times, the control of their TV times. And guess what? They're still playing at 5 p.m. and 8 p.m., right? Because now CBS Sports is their partner and CBS Sports is making do it. My, my, my bigger question, though, is um, the revenue part you mentioned. Obviously, they've got to do that to, to satisfy their, their TV partners and play whenever they, TV partners want to fill the programming gap. But the, the small schools still seem to be – I noticed ticket prices at CSU – are higher than they are at CU, they're higher than they are in Boulder. And I think that's because, honestly, the Power 5 schools don't need ticket revenue uh, to, to make it work. They're getting 60 million, Big Ten teams making $63 million a year for media rights. What, what does ticket revenue matter to them? And then you, you go at Colorado State, where the TV rights are $3 million a year, they got to charge $25 bucks for, for a cheap seat. Is yeah, that I, I think you're – well, I think that uh... – you know, and I went online a month ago to buy these tickets and, and I was surprised and they were, you know, 30 yard line on the, on the, the student section, you know, on the other side of the press really? box, uh, upper deck, and they were 45 bucks a piece, yeah. um, which I thought was a little on the high side. It didn't stop me from buying it because I, you know, I wanted to go to the game and be a fan. But uh, now that you say that is, you know, has they, have they restructured their, you know, their sales uh, strategies to, to maximize ticket yeah. revenue. And, and again, at the end of the day, though, this is what worries me is, is if the, the average attendance in the Mountain West, I think it was two, I think it was 2019 season, pre-COVID, the average attendance across the board was 23,000. And if you adjust that for the number of students, you know, maybe the, the paid attendance might be 17 or 18,000, just, just yep. average in ballpark. Yep. And, and if the average ticket and you, and you've got your season ticket packages and whatever, but just, just even if it's $40 for 20,000 tickets, 
you know, that's that's a that's eighty. Um, that's what it's eight hundred thousand dollars in ticket revenue, right? Yeah. Um, Twenty thousand times forty dollars, eight hundred thousand. You know, and so you do it. It's a ballpark averaging. Right. Every every game is a million dollar game. Right. A million right. not million dollar in receipts by the time parking and and concessions. Getting, yeah. Getting your pizza at Crazy Carl's, which right. was great pizza. There's a little plug. I had to be a spokesperson <laughs> for Crazy Carl. It was Carl. It was Carl with a K. I know. Send you that picture of me standing in front of the Crazy Carl sign. But uh, so. If it's a million dollars a game based on twenty thousand, and Colorado State is sitting there with a forty thousand seat stadium, you know there's there's an upside of another million dollars. Yeah. If if they get to that, so I mean, there used to be. I remember ADs always talking about that every empty seat, whether it's at a football stadium or a basketball arena, represents lost revenue. And you know how do you how do you maximize that ticket revenue with with fans in those seats? And you know we know that winning a winning program has greater fan attendance than a losing program. Sure, and it's just automatic. But still, I, if I'm an AD, I I'm trying to maximize ticket revenues for sure, but. Uh, I don't know if it's if if the upside is enough to ever, you know, really, um, you know, is it really a program saver or a uh, re- uh, be a savior program by, you know, by by ticket sales? Yeah, yeah, and two things to keep in mind here: that um, fans think that all these, you know, that, that all these schools are rolling in money, and we should pay the players. Well, they have to pay for. Uh, non-revenue sports with this money, right? I mean, they, they football revenue drives the entire athletic department in most places. And so that million dollars a game, that's gone pretty fast when you got to pay for lacrosse and volleyball and everything else. Um, you know, it's just not enough. And, and unfortunately, that gap is growing, as we've talked about before, and it continues to grow. And the Power 5 schools don't have to worry about it. They're making $63 million a year for media rights. They don't care if they have empty seats because they – I mean, they could theoretically, and I've written about this before, the Power 5 schools could charge five bucks a ticket and they'd be just fine. If they want attendance to go up, charge less for the tickets. Give them away because you don't need the revenue. You just want the bodies in the stands to help help your, your football team. So I don't understand on the, why. On the other, on the other, on the other hand, okay. Alabama football, Alabama football has generated a hundred million dollars or does generate a hundred million dollars a year mm-hmm. in, in revenue taking, you know, right. their, their ticket sales, their sponsorship, their own radio media rights, their concessions, mm-hmm. their parking, their, their apparel uh, that, that is directly related to football is a hundred million dollars. And, and overall, you know, Alabama generates, an additional almost hundred million dollars. Their overall, you know, yearly revenue yeah. is is closing in on two hundred million dollars a year in in total revenue, of which a hundred million, you know, is football. So, you know, at when you've got that hundred thousand seat stadium versus a twenty five or thirty or forty, but if you're you're only putting fifteen or twenty thousand in that stadium. It just doesn't have just doesn't have the same impact. You mentioned the gap, Mark. I, I looked at a at a report here this week that 
in 2005, the median, the median gap in expenses by the, the group of five versus the power five was $26 million difference. In 2019, that 26 million became 80 million. Oof. So in, wow. in, 15, in 15 years, that gap between the group of five and the, the power five grew just you know, enormously. And also in 2009, the, the school that spent the most money uh, was Ohio State, was $215 million in expenses. And that goes to all your, you know, all your other sports travel. Yeah, it's, it's, it's debt service. Mm-hmm. It's two hundred fifteen, uh, excuse me, two hundred fifteen million dollars. And the lowest in the group of five was Louisiana Monroe at eighteen million. So that economic gap that has just just gone off the charts. And, yeah, it's, and become the, it's become the Grand Canyon. It's just, yeah, and and yet the competitive gap still allows for you know some of those upsets and some of those competitive games, and it allows Troy to you know to to beat you know to beat LSU on occasion, mm-hmm. or or Fresno State to beat UCLA this year, or you know some of the mm-hmm. some of the the Group of Five wins over Power Five, but that economic gap is just escalating. To the point where, you know, I, I don't know how the group of five can can continue to you know to, to right. play it play in this you know in this arena, so to speak. Are you fearful that that gap's going to continue to grow, or are, are we reaching a point where it just can't grow anymore? And again, how does ticket revenue play into that? If you're a group of five school, how do you try to close that gap? I think what I what I really fear is that. The reason the competitive gap has remained much closer than the economic gap is the 85 scholarships that has allowed the group of five to put some really good football players, you know, on the field. They don't have the depth, but they, those front liners are pretty darn good, you know, and they end up in the NFL and they've Mm -hmm. got the quality. What I fear now with, with NIL name image like this is that, 85 scholarships now is is the minimum and that you know these these power five schools are going to be able to exploit the nil and bring in players without putting them on scholarship and all of a sudden you know nick saban's desire to go from 85 to 95 scholarships they're not going to go from 85 Mm -hmm. to 105. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's what I worry about is that the competitive gap now is going to be jeopardized. Yeah. Yeah. And there's no question that, I mean, BYU, as we've talked about, has already done to had 36 extra scholarships this year for, for players through NIL through boosters. Uh, Boosters can basically buy anybody they want now. So you're right. That, that gap is going to get, is going to get bigger and and worse as well. Um, What about some of the non-revenue sports? Are we going to see non-revenue sports, dropped because of this i mean your alma mater boise state um brought baseball back for one year and then COVID hit and then they dropped it um obviously COVID was the reason because it was you were at the at their first series up in boise it was starting to, it was already picking up some steam early in the year they went down to texas they, they you know they had some good things going on i had a chance to coach three of those kids in the summertime um in fact i was with them the day that boise was 
boys announced they were dropping the baseball program. And I, I felt like I was coaching three ghosts that day. They, those guys were just devastated. Um, but and we've seen Stanford drop a lot of sports. They brought some back, but non-revenue sports seem to me to be the, the ultimate scapegoat in all this, the ultimate lot. No one's going to drop football because as you said, it does make money even at the group of five level, but man, non-revenue sports and baseball is my, my passion obviously is in danger. It's the most expensive non-revenue sport. Are we going to see a lot of more, more schools tilt towards club sports, for instance, the club baseball as opposed to varsity baseball, because then the rec department runs it and the players have to play to pay, or, excuse me, play. They Maybe. only get to play if they get to pay. So, yeah. I mean, I, I see that trend and that's disturbing. Well, we saw it, uh, you know, the last 18 months in, in COVID and, and the number of sports that were dropped in Division One. Um, was substantial, and it's been documented. And some believe that that COVID was a um, was a convenient excuse. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Boise State program that you mentioned uh, did not have you know great you know unanimity in terms of support on campus and support, and um, you know that, that perhaps you know COVID was used as a as a good reason to drop it. Uh, and I think that that happened on on many you know many campuses. The number of lawsuits that that came out of some of those dropping in terms of, of Title IX issues and and discriminatory uh, you know from the golf programs at Dartmouth that resulted in you know in legal action to what happened at at Stanford, the eleven or twelve or thirteen sports that they dropped there. Um, I think that got the attention and maybe put you know put a, a hold on some of this, but. I think still, as we come out of COVID, and and as we now anticipate what the NCAA new constitution and what changes may occur in terms of NCAA legislation, right now the NCAA requires you know certain number of sports to be sponsored to right. be at right. Division One, and there's been conversation among you know commissioners and and athletic directors about you know is that a is that a, a number that is is appropriate in today's economic world? And you know, if and when you know those those restrictions are reduced, you know, we're going to see you know then you know there's no there's no reason to have 16 sports anymore. Um, well, especially I, I especially when you can when you can offer that sport on a club basis, right? I mean, Stanford, all those sports they dropped were all invited. I read the thing. We're all invited to stay active as club teams. In other words, instead of us paying you a scholarship or partial scholarship to participate, you can keep participating. You can wear Stanford across the front of your shirt. You just got to pay for it um, through, through the rec department. Baseball has been very successful that way in a lot of places. Colorado State, my alma mater, um, dropped varsity baseball in 1992. They've won, I think, four national championships on the club level. So they've been very successful that way. And so the schools can turn around and say, well, we still offer it. We're just not going to give you a scholarship to play it. You, you can go, you have to pay your way. Club, you know, club hockey is really big with a lot of schools, right. a lot of places. So I, I just see that trend as, as overtaking a lot of college athletics where it's not like we're not paying you to play anymore, but you can certainly play for our club team. And, and that's maybe they're out how they, how they get around to all this. Well, and some of the title nine, uh, you know, uh, requirements, you know, come into here play too, in terms of, of women's sports versus men's sports. And, you know, historically, some of the, when, when a 
when a school is trying to balance Title IX, you know, they've dropped baseball yep. with a convenient Title IX uh, sport to drop, you know, yep. beginning in the 80s and 90s and yep. right up until, you know, last year with uh, whether it was Boise State or Bowling Green that, you know, that, that programs were dropped. But, uh, you know, wrestling was a convenient mm-hmm. uh, Title IX with yep. big squad sizes on the men's side. And and on the other side, you know, they, they, they start up some women's sports. Lacrosse has become a, a women's sports that will balance uh, Title IX. Equestrian. Water, equestrian. Water, water polo. polo. Yeah. Water polo, equestrian, some of those women's crew, women's crew yeah. uh, was a, a, you know, these emerging sports. Even women's ice hockey uh, has yeah. become yeah. a very viable. Uh, so, you know, the, the AD that's trying to manage expenses and at the same time manage Title IX requirements, sometimes, you know, their their hands are tied. But, uh, but if the NCAA reduces those, 16 sports uh, i think that we will see some you know there's also there's always been this attempt mark to separate football from the title nine requirements because yep. those hundred right those hundred male you know football players really skew the the Absolutely. percentages and you know again if, if we're looking perhaps at the time when when the power five creates a organization you know, that is, you know, outside of the, the purview of the NCAA, um, whether it's, you know, professionalized or not, you know, do, do they get to the point where, where they no longer have to count the, you know, the football, the yeah. Well, that was the title nine. And then they're, then they'll be able to, to even drop women's sports yep. uh, if that ever were to, to happen. Well, I, the late Walter Byers proposed that back when title nine was first brought into the, into the mix in the seventies, that football not count because of the yeah. skewing of the numbers. In fact, the football generates the revenue. And if you think about it from a common sense perspective, that makes all the sense in the world. The, if you want to balance the non-revenue sports, men and women, that's no one would argue with that. But the cash cow doesn't have a balance on the other side. It's kind of hard to justify, in my mind, and a lot of other people's mind, um, counting that against the total numbers, because you're right, it does, it does mess things up a lot um, with the, in terms of how you, how you handle Title IX. Um, Let's get back to that attendance issue for a minute at football games. How would you fix it? How, what would you, what's an answer to, to a Colorado state to try to fill that stadium and, and increase that ticket revenue aside from just winning? Because we don't know. It's kind of a, you know, chicken and egg thing. You got to win before you fill up the seats, but you got to fill up the seats. So you have the resources to go out and try to win. How do you, yeah. I, you got some creative ways to try to fix that. I don't know if it's creative ways, but I'd like to see some research done just to see how many, college football fans are now depending on you know watching games whether it's linear or whether it's it's digital and how many of those fans have stopped being in the stadium um, fans and you know and again fans are coming back now post COVID because they, they missed, they missed that, that ambiance and that thrill of, of the Saturday afternoon college, you know, is that going to wear off and are fans going to revert? There is so much content available, whether it's on our laptop screens or whether it's on our phones or whether it's on the big screen TVs um, that, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to dial that back. 
And, yeah. and it's going to, I mean, every college football game played on a Saturday is available now Somewhere. to the consumer, to the, to the fan. Um, and that, that just, I don't know. I don't know how you dial that back and, and how do you create a, a fan base? I think that, you know, we, we worry about the next generation Mm-hmm. And, and athletic directors look at their demographics of season ticket holders. And, and as those season ticket holders become, you know, outdated and, and, and not part of that, that base, what's happening below um, in terms of, of whether it's students, whether it's the, the young alumni that, uh, you know, that's trying to capture. I went to a, a Boise State alumni event you know, in, in downtown Denver last Friday night. And, you know, there were 25 or 30 people there. Um, so they were, they were interested. There was only like five of them, you know, that, that were going to go, going to make the drive to, to uh, you know, to Fort Collins to watch the game. And, and several of them said, yeah, we're going to be right here in this same Stonies on 17th and mm-hmm. Dartmouth or wherever it is, 17th and Downing. Uh, this is where we watch Boise State football. And, you know, all of these watch parties that, you know, that now are, you know, that fans are, are getting Mm -hmm. their social, they're getting their social uh, uh, take of being with their, you know, their fellow fans watching it, you know, on the, on the big screen without having to to hassle going to the stadium. People bring you food instead of you standing in line and, you know, restrooms right there and it's all easy. And, and one, one else, other aspect you're leaving out of this is, the gambling part of it, that's especially prevalent in the NFL where uh, people want to watch the red zone. They want to see because they got money on this or their fantasy games or teams are involved in this or whatever, and they won't be able to switch back and forth between games. I think one thing stadiums have done that's to try to to help with that issue on their part is to uh, improve their Wi-Fi within the stadium. So you can sit on – if you can be you can be at the game and you can still be on your phone watching the red zone or watching whatever you want to do to try to keep tabs on everything else. But – um, you know, they got the ticker run along the, along the scoreboard with all the scores all the time. They're trying everything you can do. I'm just kind of wondering, um, you can't, there's nothing you can do at home to really simulate a tailgate or a pep rally or any of those other things that are, are part, have been historically part of a, going to a college football game. You can't walk around the oval if you're sitting here watching the game on TV, right? So I don't know if I'm a college administrator, I guess I try to play up that whole experience, that whole atmosphere experience. Uh, and, and, you know, build a new stadium like CSU did where there's no lines or hardly any lines to go to the restroom. But, you know, you, you've been a huge stadium. It was horrible to try to go to the restroom. Yeah, I was, you know, as a, as a first time, uh, you know, fan going to that game, the, 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 the expanse inside, yeah. uh, you know, the, fantastic. The, the, the walkways and the concourses yep. were, were spectacular. I mean, just yep. even the, the stairwell up yep. to, you know, the, the second deck areas I thought was, yep. was really just very, very fan, fan friendly. But, uh, but again, I think it's this, there's another notion. This is what I think that, that goes unnoticed is that, you know, not every Colorado state or Boise state alum is a fan of sports. True. And, and so, I mean, it's, uh, you know, they they, they may talk about, you know, the hundred thousand, um, alums that live in the greater Denver area, but uh, you know how many of those are season ticket holders? How yeah, many of those? Many. 
how many of those are casual fans? It's a, it's a small, small number. Yep. And um, so, you know, we've got to, we've got to always remember that, that, that it's uh, and even on the TV side, when, when you talk about a rating point and, and generally speaking, one rating point translates into a million, you know, households. Right. So when, you know, when they report that, that there's a rating of 8.0 for a college football game, you know, that translates into, you know, 8 million or 8 to 10 million fans that are watching that game. But the population of televisions is near 100 million. So it's, it's really, uh, you know, we get caught up into thinking that everybody is a college football fan. And yet it's really a small, small percentage of the overall U.S. population that, that, uh, that does that. And even when you think about the Super Bowl numbers, mm-hmm. you get the ratings of 35, you know, for a Super Bowl. And that's, you know, one day a year that there's 35 million people or 40 million people that are watching a, a Super Bowl out of, you know, out of the entire U.S. Three, population. 330 million, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so... Um, which may, which all this makes the economics even that much more baffling. The fact that there's this much money being going flown around, and there's this many, uh, this much of a discrepancy, you know, between G five and Power Five. Hey, Carl, uh, that, we're gonna have to wrap this one. Uh, good stuff as always. Uh, we'll, talk, we'll we'll tackle another issue, pun intended. We'll tackle another issue next week. Um, enjoy your week. You got enjoy, it. Thanks, enjoy your weekend. Take care.